0: Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, presented by Game On Wisconsin.
1: Jamal Williams, I consider him a friend. It's not a rivalry if the other team doesn't win. Now, in the Game On Wisconsin studios, here's your host, Jacob Westendorf. Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pick 6 Podcast. I am your host, I'm Jacob Westendorf, and I do promise you this show will be a little more about football than last week's show. I do want to thank you guys that have reached out and said something in the last week or so Um, to date that last week's show is the most listened to. Podcasts, strictly podcasts on this platform. Uh, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, and we'll get to some more stuff like that here at, at the end of everything. But for now, we're going to start uh, with some football stuff. I am the host of this show, The Pick Six Podcast, brought to you by Game On Wisconsin, our Tech Ventures, The Wilderness Resort, Lakefront Brewery, Iowa Legendary Rye Whiskey, among others. want to thank our sponsors again. For being with us all season long. I'm joined tonight by my own flesh and blood. No, not Blake Westendorf. She's not quite old enough to do that just yet, but one of these days we'll get her on the show. And that, I'm sure, will be the most listened to pod by this point. But my brother, Adam Westendorf, is with me. Adam, welcome back to the studios. How are we feeling?
0: Would probably be better if it was Blake. Uh, You might not be able to understand the word she's trying to put together just yet, but she's much, much better than I am. She's adorable. I love her so much. Doing well. I mean, as well as you can be in a time like this, I guess. But it'll be nice to just talk a little bit of football, Um, you know, because everything was a whirlwind, you know, Green Bay loses Saturday. And then you think about it for a day and then, well, Monday happened. So Mm -hmm. haven't really gotten to discuss football in, in about a week or so. So it'll be nice to, you know, take your mind off it for a little bit.
1: Yeah. And we're not going to talk anything about the 49ers game. I think that one's been been put to bed. Maybe some of the analysis that we give on these topics will come out of that game. Obviously I, I did say to somebody, earlier in the week that I was actually kind of thankful with everything that happened that green Bay wasn't playing on Sunday, just because I couldn't imagine attempting to care about a football game in that time frame, And I wouldn't want an NFC championship appearance to feel less exciting uh, for, for those reasons. Obviously it would have for, for a lot of different things, but we'll get to that. Uh, Let's get to what is maybe the second most tragic thing in our household to happen this week. uh, And that Tom Brady, mom's favorite player. Uh, has decided to hang him up. He retired after 22 seasons, seven Super Bowl titles, multiple MVPs, 10 appearances, uh, the most decorated resume in the history of the NFL. And I know this is a Packers show, um, but you cannot tell the story of the NFL now without Tom Brady. And Brady has decided after two seasons in Tampa Bay to hang him up, spend some more time with his family, Among other things, we'll see what exactly it is that he does. But just kind of wanted to go through that. What are your thoughts on Brady's retirement, who he is, what he was in the sports, maybe what he meant to you personally, if anything, all that kind of stuff?
0: Well, I think first and foremost, I think the whole NFL breathes a sigh of relief right now. This man's finally gone is a big thing. I mean, we had the news break what earlier in the week Tuesday maybe last week I don't I don't know exactly when it broke that he was retiring and then it for about an hour or so everyone was posting their you know retirement thoughts of Tom Brady and then another story kind of broke where it was like well he hasn't officially said anything so then everyone started rolling with the oh he's going to come back and win an, an eighth one and then leave sort of thing you can't tell the story of the NFL without Tom Brady And, you know, I know a lot of people will say he's not the most talented quarterback ever. How can you consider him this or that or whatever? Well, at the end of the day, what matters, right? It's winning. And he did a lot of that. You know, uh, I think I saw I think I saw a stat earlier in the week that said he has won 17.2 percent of all Super Bowls or something like that, which is nuts, you know, but. I wish him well in his retirement. I, you know, I think he's going to have a rough one, you know, with his, his wife and his children and all the, you know, money he's made and all the endorsements. <laughs> I think, I think he's going to be struggling a little bit on the retirement bus, but I will, I will say this though. I wonder if he does kind of the Favre thing where he gets an itch come training camp and he could possibly come back, but I don't know if he does that, but it's something to look out for.
1: Yeah, this is a guy who had a competitive thirst that could never be quenched. And, you know, in terms of just sheer competitive fire, there may not be anybody that, and granted, all of these guys are competitive, but there's just a different level when you're a guy like Brady to reach some of the milestones that he did. To be able to play until 44 at the most important position in the sport, that's a different level of dedication that you need to do because his body did slow down. Like that's the thing is his body naturally started to age and he found ways to do some different things. What's your, what's your favorite memory of Brady, whether rooting for him, which I don't know if you ever did that, but or against him.
0: Um, probably the last time they were here when he was in new England, the, the ceiling sack, uh, of what, who was it? Mike Daniels and Mike Neal. Yeah. Shout out Mike Daniels. Yeah, actually, shout out Mike Daniels for real. Uh, the fact that he read the read the story or listened to it or whatever, and then reached out to mm-hmm. you is amazing. It, uh, Mike Daniels has always been a, a favorite of mine, anyway. But no, that's probably my favorite memory, and that just just seeing him get hit in general. I guess I mean, you know, because <laughs> I mean, I think we've all seen it as NFL fans that the it seems. I don't want to again. I don't want to make it like. Seem like it's a fact or whatever, but it always seemed to lean towards Tom Brady a little bit, you know, like, oh, he got brushed on the shoulder after throwing, roughing the passer. Oh, this call goes his way in a big spot. Blah blah blah. But Passing so yeah, appearance. seeing 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 you know his face get buried in the dirt that that's always fun.
1: Yeah, I I enjoyed. I was in the stadium for the the time when they were in Green Bay. I got to see Brady play twice in green Bay once in 2014 on um, then last year's NFC title game, obviously. And and even if I don't particularly like Brady, I don't like his fans, um, the mass holes that are, they just worship the ground. This guy walks like there was somebody that it might be a parody account, but with Brady, you just can't tell. I remember after they lost the super bowl to the Eagles a few years ago, and Brady got strip sacked by Brandon Graham and Chris long. And somebody said that they would rather watch, their child die in their arms, then watch Brady fumble away a super bowl again. And they hope he gets back and gets that ring that he deserves. And like that might've been a parody account, but with those guys, who the hell knows I've never seen. And trust me, I live in Illinois. We live in Illinois. We know the, the deal with Jordan fans with like the LeBron debate or Kobe or whomever Jordan fans are not on the same level of people that not only should you believe, not only do I believe that Jordan is the GOAT, but you should believe that Jordan is the GOAT. And Brady fans are 100% that way. They treat every quarterback ever that is remotely in the conversation with him, Peyton Manning, Patrick Mahomes, Dan Marino. You go back to some of these other guys. Like those guys are just garbage compared to this quarterback. And Brady was great. He's an all time great. And I think any question about was it Brady or was it Belichick has been dispelled by him going to Tampa Bay and that team still winning a championship his first year. And had it been, you know, I mean, honestly, if they cover Cooper Cup on that final series, maybe it's Brady and the Bucks playing in the Super Bowl again next weekend against the Bengals. Who knows? We won't know. And that turned out to be Brady's final game. You know, my favorite memory, I take that back. I said I got to see Brady play twice. I actually got to see him play three times. The other time was Super Bowl Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles. And Chris Long and Brandon Graham's strip sack was right in front of me. And that's my favorite memory for a lot of different reasons. It was obviously dad's only Super Bowl that he ever got to witness. Um, Not just that, but the shot from the game, the two most famous shots of the game, the Philly special to Nick Foles and the strip sack of Brady, are both the camera guy I was working with, he got those. So that was cool. It was fun. Um, I've enjoyed rooting against Brady for as long as I have. Uh, Obviously, I rooted for him at a time when I was very young. He was the starting quarterback at Michigan for two years and kind of rotated in and out with Drew Henson, which that was whatever. But I am going to miss having a villain in the NFL because I've often thought that a villain is a good thing for each respective sport to have. And now that Brady's gone, There really isn't that anymore. you know. Aaron Rodgers likes to play the victim card and insists he's a villain because of his vaccination status, but that's a hunk of bullshit. Patrick Mahomes, I know people don't like his family, but I don't think he's a villain to that same level. I think Joe Burrow could potentially become that if his team continues to win just because his confidence that he has now is a cool thing because he's the new kid on the block, but it could eventually turn into, oh, he's cocky, which – as I've often said, not liking a professional athlete because they're cocky is like not liking ice cream because it's cold. It's just a natural thing that for them to be. But there isn't that anymore. And there isn't a guy. Like Brady went from New England to Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay became instantly the team everyone hated. Why? Because Brady was there. And because you knew that they were going to be there at the end. And I think that's something about Brady that I, I hated about him, but I respect the most is you put him on the team, And you know that you can pencil that team in for 12 wins, a playoff appearance, and probably at minimum, a conference championship appearance. Obviously, that didn't happen this year, but he made the conference title game in 50% of his uh, years in Tampa Bay, won a Super Bowl there, all that stuff. There are things not to like about Brady, certainly. You know, the wins is a quarterback stat thing. The rings is a quarterback stat thing. This is why I don't do GOAT debates, because it's so subjective. And I never saw Tom Brady walk on the field by himself. But at some point, you just can't keep arguing about it. And when I, going forward, for those of you that listen to the show, when I refer to Brady as the greatest quarterback ever, I am saying that is that is the general consensus. You know, you can argue for other guys, you can argue for Peyton Manning, you can argue for Bart Starr, Dan Marino, guys like that. But the general consensus is going to be seven rings, which, whatever, that's going to be the consensus. Brady was a great, he's an all-time great, you know, as far as quarterbacks I've seen play probably second only to Peyton Manning, in my opinion, Um, certainly better than Aaron Rodgers. I know Packers fans like to call Aaron the goat, but there's way too many blemishes on Aaron Rodgers' playoff resume for him to be considered the best quarterback ever. And not enough, because Brady has those blemishes too, whether his fans want to admit it or not, but not enough redeeming qualities like Brady has, and i know people on twitter have come back at me and said oh do you just criticize rodgers and not brady it's like well <laughs> the guy with 10 super bowl appearances and 7 titles to his teams gets a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt than the guy with 1 and 1 respectively but that's the deal tom i wish you well in retirement and um go to hell i think we're that's <laughs> also,
0: we're also two plays away from him being 9 of 10 like think about right. that He could have nine out of ten. The only well, and you know, you can you can obviously play the card of, oh, well, Atlanta blew a twenty-eight to three lead, so he should only have six. I get it. Like, there's so many things that go into the game, but of the only of the only Super Bowl loss that he actually has on his record, the one that is most deserved is Philly. They should have beaten the Giants both times. David Tyree with his helmet catch, and then the Mario Manningham like forty-six yarder down the left sideline. You know, those two plays set up the Giants to win. And, and the Giants won the game. That's all that matters at the end of the day. But, like, this man could have won 90% of the Super Bowl. And when he was in.
1: Chris Long and Graham strip sack Brady, that, the score was 38-33. If Brady scores there, which I think we were all expecting, it and that happens, like you said, it could have been 10-10. Like, again, unprecedented. Something we will never see again. And something oh. I've said before is in my lifetime, I've been alive for 30 years. Brady, Jordan, Gretzky, the three consensus greatest players ever played during my lifetime. That is a blessing, whether you guys want to believe it or not, and whether you hate Brady or not, and I get it. I've rooted against Brady. I'm still going to make plenty of jokes in his retirement. I understand all that, but I think you guys are tired of hearing us talk about Tom Brady. Some of you probably think he sucks. He's a system quarterback. He's this, he's that, he's whatever. And then trust me, there are Plenty of holes that you want to go through. Just not a rabbit hole. I want to go down. Let's get to the Packers. It was announced about an hour ago. We're recording at 2.30 on Tuesday afternoon here that Maurice Drayton will not return as the special teams coordinator. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett, since I've last talked to you guys, was hired by the Denver Broncos. And uh, J.O., the tight end coach, uh, and I feel like I could call him that since Jay Sternberger is one of my best friends, and that's what he calls him is now going to be the offensive coordinator in Denver. Luke Getzey is the offensive coordinator in Chicago, where he will call plays. Adam Stenevich is the new offensive coordinator. The special teams coordinator position has yet to be filled. Adam, I want to start at the special teams coordinator position. Firing Drayton was, duh. Uh, one of my, f- not favorites, but something that I did chuckle a little bit at was Matt LaFleur's post-mortem press conference on Monday afternoon was The first question he's asked by Matt Schneidman of the athletic is Matt. Are you considering a change at special teams coordinator? It's not all Drayton's fault that the special teams were the way that it was were the way that it was, but there was no choice here. I mean, you're the worst special teams in my general rule of thumb. If you are the worst in the league at something without a major injury, like if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt and the Packers are the 32nd ranked offense in the NFL, that's different, but if you're the thirty-second ranked at something, somebody's got to be fired, and happen to be Drayton in this case. So, what are your thoughts on the special team situation before we get into the other coaching
0: hires and departures? Well, you, you said it. He he had to go. You're you're the worst, and the Packers special teams have been bad in general the last ten years. You know, whatever they they haven't really been a good unit in recent memory at least, but this is probably the worst I've seen since then, at least. You know, they, they were just awful at everything. Amari Rogers, not the guy as a returner. You know, there's no there's no explosiveness there. The the kick, the, the kicking unit was terrible. And And this is where it comes back to if you if you look at some of the stuff, you know, breaking down the film of the 49ers game, on the block kick, Tyler Lancaster touches nobody. Well, that's a player issue, not a not a Mo Drayton issue. Henry Black is the up man on the punt that gets blocked for a touchdown. He's leaking to go downfield before securing the inside gap and the punt gets blocked. That's the player making the play. But at the same time, how many times did you see oh they only have ten men on the field goal block team? Oh they only, only the season them. on the line, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Last field goal yeah. of the
1: fucking season. There's only the season yeah. on the line. You got ten guys, you have, you can't even bother you have, to have eleven.
0: You have you have ten guys on the field for the for the last field goal. You had ten guys on the on a field goal block team earlier in the year as well. You had ten guys on a punt return team unit. It's like at some point that does fall on Mo Drayton at that point. It's like you can't even get your guys together to get 11 on the field, we play with 11, not 10, you know, that's, let's, let's play with the, you know, the most that we can at this point, obviously it had to happen. uh Hopefully they go out and, you know, actually spend some money and, and hire a competent special teams coordinator because give me someone with a track record, you know, the, the names that come to mind obviously is like, you're not going to get, you're not gonna get John Harbaugh, who is an amazing special teams coach, because he's a head coach, obviously. But like, I don't I don't know, go dip into the Michigan pipeline and go get go get Jay Harbaugh, the youngest one who's a special teams coordinator at Michigan. The Harbaughs know they're special teams. The Harbaughs are great when it comes to special teams. If you can hire, you know, Dave Tobe away from Kansas City, I think he's still there. Um, Rich Bisaccia is another one that's popular. He was—he's a good special teams, you know, good special teams guy. Give me someone like that, and then we can really see—is it the coaching, or is it the players that we're putting out there who aren't special teamers? Like it was said earlier in the season, you know, we're we're trotting EQ out there as a as a gunner, and his dad says, "Oh, well, the St. Browns aren't special teamers." You're Ooh. literally putting guys out there who have never played special teams before. They don't know what they're doing. And and I get it. It's like, oh, we'll do your job and go play football. Sure. But if you've never done it before, you're handcuffing yourself at this point. So hopefully they can make some investments in that section of the roster as well, where it's like, yeah, you may be a bottom, you know, 46 guy on the roster, you know, when you're dressing, but you're an elite special teamer. You know, look at New England. New England's had Matthew Slater for like 13 years and he's been a 13 time pro bowler just on special teams alone. Go find me one of those guys. Yeah.
1: You find as many play. I mean, and you're going to learn like, is it the chicken or the egg? Like you said, is it an organizational failure? That's the theory I had going into the season where I said, I wasn't so sure the coordinator mattered. Um, But the other side of the coin, which shout out Matt Bove is, well, let's find out. No, the Packers last couple special Sean Menenga never really had a track record of success. Mo Drayton was his assistant and they were terrible. Before that, you're talking guys like Sean Slocum and, and people of that nature, where again Ron Zook. Ron's <sighs> Jesus, Ron, <laughs> I almost forgot about Ron Zook, which the lasting image of I can't believe I forgot about this because I was in the game. Ron Zook is standing with his arms folded as they have 10 players on the field for a fake field goal thrown for a touchdown. Can't even be bothered to fix that problem. But you're right. There is a point where like switching long snappers in the middle of the season, my take on that was like, how much can it really matter? Well, (laughs) it did. It did quite a bit. Um, The punter, you know, the punter deal was, it worked out well enough for, for Bojo. Um, He did a good enough job during the season. Mason Crosby. I think we're at the end of his tenure, or at least I certainly hope we're at the end of his tenure when it comes to having Jake Moody, JJ Molson. I don't really care. Find a guy for the minimum and and let his kicks get blocked if this is going to be the case but if you get a guy with a proven track record then you can at least say okay well i know this coach has been successful before so why is he not successful now if and when they are not successful and it's not for lack of trying you know matt lafleur has had interviews with guys like darren rizzi and Braden coombs and guys that have been successful in the past they just haven't hired them because the theory is that mark murphy went too cheap on the coaching side of things well mark You've now cost yourself a Super Bowl potential appearance, at least a conference championship game appearance, because your special teams literally, I mean, I know, and granted, I've said it before, if Aaron Rodgers plays to his standard, the Packers don't lose that game to the 49ers, even with the special teams being a tire fire. But expecting perfection from the other units all season, so your special teams can't be one that can actively lose your games, which you can argue certainly it actively lost them at least to Kansas City in the playoff game. You can't have that. So get yourself somebody with a proven track record. And like you said, start finding some players that that's what they do. You know, get some guys that your sixth corner, somebody that's better at it than Isaac. Yadam. Get yourself a returner that has some explosibility to him. And I know that's not a word, but I just used it. Explosive ability for those of you that are going to come at me for nerd speak there, but it's a tough spot. You know, the floor, this is his third coordinator since he's been here. He's got to get it right because He's gotten it right on the offensive side of the ball. Hackett was a great offensive coordinator while he was here. Steno, the new offensive coordinator, obviously a great offensive line coach. Joe Barry, the jury's out. And it's unfortunate because that's the best Packers defensive performance in maybe a decade, and they wasted it. And they're so their special. They're and their special so teams. They were, they were awesome. They gave up six fucking points. You give up six points in a playoff game with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, you should win that game by 30. But they didn't. Quarterback didn't play well. Offense as a whole didn't play well. and The special teams were a disaster. You do that, and you're coupled going home to a team that I still don't think is very good. The 49ers were a 10-win team. They lost a conference championship game. And honestly, you can really look at it. They should be playing in the Super Bowl if Joukowsky-Tart can catch a arm punt for Matthew Stafford. But he didn't, and they're going home. And I think they would have been underdogs in the Super Bowl against the Bengals, or at least they should have been. If they were favored, I would have bet the Bengals all day long to win that Super Bowl. But that's the coaching side of things. Let's go to what most people are going to be looking at throughout the offseason. And that starts with the quarterback. And this season was pitched as the last dance. This is it. It's over. They're just going to kind of make their way through, not really like each other along the way, win a championship just like Jordan and those Bulls did in the 90s, and then move on. And then the season kind of ran its course and you started to hear little nuggets here or there that, hey, fences are mended. Rodgers and Gukunst are friends now. They've talked about things, that kind of stuff. Now I'm to the point where I said, and I wrote this article and I will not shy away from it. I still believe this, that Green Bay should trade him. And the reason I believe that is because at a certain point, you know how this movie is going to end. Whether it's the defense doesn't play well enough, the special teams doesn't play well enough, or Aaron Rodgers himself does not play well enough to the point where you just know how the movie's going to end. It's very much like Favre. You knew with Favre the Packers were going to win 10 to 12 games and he would have a multi-interception meltdown in the postseason. Rogers doesn't have those, but he does have poor special teams or poor Jesus, poor quarterback performances in the postseason. And like I mentioned earlier, the special teams would not have mattered if Rodgers had played well. It was seven, nothing after the first drive of the game, the Packers didn't score again until the fourth quarter where they kicked a short field goal to make it 10 to three. They were only in scoring range one other time where Mason Crosby had a field goal blocked, which you also put someone on Aaron Jones for not being able to score on that player, at least get out of bounds, but then he didn't play well enough. Uh, that being said, I said all that knowing this is not what green Bay is going to do. And everything you've heard since the season ended is they're optimistic. They'll be able to get him back. They want him back to the point where Adam, I think this conversation is moot because I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be back in green Bay. It'll be on a new contract and he'll be the quarterback for the next three, four years. Is the, is there any trading of Aaron Rodgers scenario even worth discussing at this point?
0: I mean, it's always worth a discussion because at the end of the day, he can still come in and say, I don't want to be here, but but what's the likelihood of him saying that, do you think, based on what we've heard, what we know? Maybe 10%. Like, yeah, I mean that's a know, very it's, small it's, percentage. It, it's it's very low. Um, I will be utterly shocked if he's not in Green Bay next year. I mean if he's going to continue to play, that is, I'll be utterly shocked if it's not in Green Bay. If he chooses to retire, then well, there's nothing you can do about that. He chose to retire but the the trade discussion and everyone who's who has all the trade packages and oh here's a potential landing spot for him i mean you're wasting your time writing the article at this point because i don't think he's going anywhere you know he's he said it multiple and i think he knows in his mind as well that this is the best place for me to try to win because you go to any other any of these other landing spots you know, it's not as simple as Drew Locke to first, two seconds. What, what does that do? What, why does Green Bay want Drew Locke? Like, why? And I why was like, we-
1: please stop putting quarter shitty quarterbacks in your trade proposals because, like, if they were going to trade him to San Francisco and Trey Lance was coming back, I would understand that because Trey Lance is a three year on his rookie contract, high level prospect. Drew Locke, we know the deal. He stinks. And if Green Bay is going to go with a, a high variance quarterback, just go with Jordan love, but yeah, your quarterbacks that people are sending back in these deals, like green Bay doesn't need a bridge. If they're trading Aaron Rodgers, getting a bridge quarterback doesn't make any sense. Cause if they're trading Aaron Rodgers and saying they need another quarterback, then they're basically admitting that Jordan love stinks and they're ready to move on from that too, which is an organizational failure to a very high degree for that's a completely separate conversation, but go on. I'm sorry
0: just, you know, the random, and then there was the random thought of, Oh, they can trade Aaron Rodgers And then maybe they go after Russell Wilson. What's the point? (laughs) Like, what would the point be? You know, just, just keep your elite level quarterback. Who's better than Russell Wilson at this point, Russell Wilson is always the dude who will play great for six games, be in the MVP conversation, and then end the season with 20 touchdowns and 14 interceptions at some point. And it's just like, Oh, he does that every year. Okay. You know, I don't get all those scenarios that are popping up. It just doesn't make any sense where he's going to be in Green Bay. He's, you know, you heard it on the McAfee show, his weekly pressers, you know, through the media now at this point that, you know, it's not an ice cold relationship between him and Gudukunz. He stayed in Green Bay a couple days after the season to discuss with, Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst, the direction of the team. So, you know, obviously that's already a step of what he wanted was conversation. Right. So they're doing those things. So yeah, the trade discussions, you can put them to bed.
1: Yeah. And I will say again, I just said, put them to bed, but I will tell you, like Adam mentioned in the discussions, Matthew Stafford got two firsts, a third and a bad quarterback, But a quarterback, Aaron Rodgers is going to garner for the people in my mentions that are like, oh, that's way too much. Aaron Rodgers is going to be the back to back league MVP by next Saturday. That is unprecedented if they are going to trade him.
0: Well, and Ross, Ross put out Ross Uglum, he he put out a a mock trade with Tampa and it was. Worfs, Winfield, a one and a three this year and a one and a two next year. And people are probably blowing that up of, oh, my God, an all pro and a a high rated safety and four picks. Like, well, yeah, it's the back to back MVP. That's, you know, the people in Denver. It's like, okay, give me three first Jerry, Judy and Bradley Chubb. You know, like that. That's the type of package that Green Bay would need back if they even consider trading him.
1: Think of it this way, guys.
0: If you're the Milwaukee
1: Bucks. What would you want for Giannis Antetokounmpo? Think of it that way. Well, (laughs) obviously you're not trading Giannis, but you get what I mean when you think about it that way. The trade I put out two days after the season ended was Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin, two ones and two twos. Like a high level pass rusher, a young safety and draft capital. And a lot of it, this isn't, you know, this isn't some random, like again, it's not Matthew Stafford. And I know Matthew Stafford's playing in the Super Bowl and some apologies for me are due to Matthew Stafford I will give those at a later date but this is Aaron Rodgers and even if Stafford wins the Super Bowl on Sunday it doesn't put him in the same class as Aaron Rodgers I we know the Super Bowl ring count will be the same
0: we don't even need to use the Stafford example look at what Carolina gave up to get Sam Darnold
1: right yeah like a couple <laughs> of
0: twos and just i mean they gave i mean I don't know the exact details off the top of my head but it was close to a first round pick and I know there was a second round pick. I think it might be two twos, like you said, but I mean, that's for a bad quarterback, like a bad one.
1: Yeah. And look at what people are going to potentially be thinking about offering for guys like Kirk Cousins got a fully guaranteed contract when he was a free agent like Kirk Cousins, a mid-level quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, yeah, going into next year, quarterbacks that I going into next year, quarterbacks that I think are better than Aaron Rodgers, definitively. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. So Rodgers at worst is third because he's in the class with those guys, even with his postseason performance this year aside. There's no question if Green Bay were to trade him, which I don't think they're going to, but if they were, it would be an unprecedented haul. And it's been Darlin. reported by others. That Denver was prepared to offer three ones and stuff. So, what three ones and Jerry Judy and another player again? And that's why I think what you said about Aaron Rodgers, knowing this is his best chance to win, if Green Bay were to trade him, they're going to pare down that team's roster. And it's not going to be as simple as, well, I'm going to this Denver team that's loaded. You're going to a Denver team that Green Bay is going to pick apart and you'll have no draft capital. But, like you mentioned, I think. It's basically over if Rogers plays next year. And I think he will, it'll be in green Bay and we'll go through that. So that kind of leads into this next discussion. Devonte Adams said he wanted $30 million a season. Would you pay that?
0: Well, we just said a 12 is going to be back. They'll do whatever they can to bring him back. Even if it's at $30 million, I don't want to pay him $30 million. Cause that is a lot of money for a wide receiver, but, He's the best one. So, I mean, that's where the price tag comes in. I get that he wants to have the record-setting you know, extension for a wide receiver. I think Hopkins is at 27.5 mil. I mean, if you can pair him down to 28, 29, that'd be great. But are you going to split hairs over $2 million a year? With the cap crunch that they have, they probably should try to. But, I mean if you're not bringing back 17 12 is all but gone then at that point yep. you know he's not going to want to be back regardless so you know if you bring back you're going to have to give rogers an extension and really cut down his cap number of, from like 46 mil or whatever it's supposed to be and again i don't understand the salary cap anyway There's look at the new Orleans saints. They're like $88 million in the hole or whatever. And yet they still find ways to sign dudes. Doesn't make any sense, but whatever. 17 will be back unless they, unless he really just says, "Nah, I don't want to play with 12 no more. Cause you ain't going to pay me what I want. I'll go over here. Who's going to pay me, you know what I want, but you know, I get the organization saying we'll do anything to bring Aaron back. We want him back badly. Well, that's one of the, that's one of the ways to bring him back is to bring 17 back. Yeah.
1: And they have talked about it a bunch, how they want him back. He's an important part of their football team. Good said they just have a disagreement on what the highest paid receiver in the NFL means. I think that's something that'll get worked out. Um, you know, and even if that means a franchise tag, that didn't get floated out there for no reason. I think that was a couple things. Number one, Devontae, we want you. We're going to work on a deal to get you here. Number two, 12, if you're leaving, you're not just taking him with you. We'll get something for that as well. So that's a, lo- a whole other conversation. But again, I think the smart money at this point, again, is on that 12 and 17 are back in Green Bay. And for the, you know, foreseeable future, I think they're going to make try and make a couple more runs at this thing. And I think that boils down to a few things, but number one, job security. I've talked about this a bunch during the season, how if Brian Gutekunst and company trade Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love Stanks, they'll lose. And if you lose, you get fired. Well, if you keep Aaron Rodgers, you're probably not going to lose that much and you're going to get extended. So job security certainly matters here, but 12 and 17 are going to be back in Green Bay. Uh, I I would bet a decent chunk of change on that at this point. Let's go to our next topic because there are other guys that are free agents. Uh, Rasul Douglas is one. He spoke to the media after the season was over and said his agents probably twisting and turning, but said that he would only need a little bit more than the vet minimum to come back to green Bay. We'll see if that actually holds true. And then Devondre Campbell, uh, the first team all pro middle linebacker that played for the Packers this season uh, was a godsend to their defense, but pick one, which one are you
0: picking between those two? I'm going to take Devondre. Uh, I think that with hoping you have Jair healthy for a full season, Eric Stokes showed great promise this year. He was really good. I think if he would learn to turn his head and play the ball, it'd be a little bit better. That'd be great. But, you know, he – Stokes showed great promise as a rookie, and you're really hoping that those two can be your pair on the outside for years to come. I think you can, I know nickel corner is so important in the NFL and Rasul played so well on the outside that you can then, you can use Jair as a chess piece and play him inside if you really wanted to, or, you know, you could maybe move Stokes in there. or Rasul could maybe play there. I get that, but man, just seeing the way that Devondre Campbell changed the entire defense I, I think that that's what you need to have. I mean he was an all pro player, <laughs> you know uh I know I know Russell Douglas got some all pro votes and he's a pro Bowl alternate and all that stuff but I mean they haven't Green Bay hasn't had a linebacker worth anything in the last 10 years <laughs> you know maybe longer I mean, yeah yeah, maybe longer. I mean like you know AJ Hawk was a good player. Nick Barnett was a good player. But with the way the game has changed, you know, because you want you want these guys to be able to cover. I mean, Devondre is a really good cover linebacker, and I know a lot of people are saying, "Oh, just let Dre walk and draft," you know, Devin Lloyd or N'Kobe Dean or you know one of these other linebackers. It's like you're going to give up an All-Pro player for a guy you know nothing about at the NFL level. Uh, I don't know if he priced his way out of Green Bay. He could have but it's the same with Rasul as well. He could have priced his way out of green Bay as well. You know, Um, he can say, Rasul Douglas can say all he wants. Oh, I just need a little more than the vet men to come back until a team shows up and says, Hey, we'll give you four for 50 or, you know, name your price that changes things. I don't know if he'll get four for 50, but who knows? I mean, someone sees like, Oh, he figured it out. We want to pair him with this guy or we want him to be the guy or whatever. When the years and dollars come in, that's that's mm-hmm. when it's gonna that's when it's gonna change things. Obviously, it's easy to say after the season that, oh yeah, I just need a little more than the vet men to be back. Sure, you can say that now, but if I'm picking one, I want Dre back. But I think sitting here right now, I think they both priced themselves out of Green Bay. It'll be interesting. Though. The Douglas one I think is interesting because
1: Campbell came in off the scrap heap. And was a All-Pro player, like you mentioned, he was first-team All-Pro with guys like Micah Parsons. So I think he could get a pretty nice contract out of that. Douglas, the thing to remember is Green Bay was his like fourth or fifth team this season. So I think it's possible that people go like, "Oh, he just found the perfect system for him. We don't run that, so we don't have to give him. We're not going to give him money. Maybe they will." Maybe they'll see that he had, you know, back-to-back pick sixes for the first time in Green Bay history since some guy named Herb Adderley. You might have heard of him. But I don't know how that market's going to play out for Sewell. And, again, I should have led with the qualifier, assuming the price is normal. You know, and, and Green Bay's able to do it. Just say Green Bay's able to do it. You're only able to pick one. I'm still picking Douglas. And because of some of the stuff you mentioned, I think there's a good problem to have. You know, you saw this year, Green Bay played a game this year where their starting corners were Isaac Yadam, Kevin King and Eric Stokes, which all due respect to Eric Stokes. That was still when he was just a baby. Now he's a little bit older. He's more like a toddler for NFL terms. But having that many guys and he and he played special teams, too, which we were just talking about that earlier. Douglas, to me, if you could go into next season with Douglas, Stokes and Jair with Savage and Amos back there. Number one, Douglas said he would be willing to play safety if that were something. So that could be something worth experimenting with where you have Douglas as your free safety and Darnell Savage is your slot corner, which solves your who plays the slot question. Um, you could mix and match kind of like they did against the 49ers. Like there were third down. Jair was basically a third down player against San Francisco. And it was, hey, your job is to follow Debo Samuel. So if Debo, like the Zadarius Smith sack, on the first series of the game Jair was shadowing Debo and had him covered up. So that's something they can do. You know, they can mix and match with, I mean, you see guys like Cooper cup and some of these teams are going to build up their receiving cores that way. You never have enough quality cover guys. Um, and the other reality is you, uh, I don't necessarily buy completely into the advanced analytics of the defense. Cause Dre certainly made this defense better. And I know what the DVOAs and all those things say, but the reality is their defense statistically from the advanced numbers was worse than it was a year ago. Now, how much of that was them finding their way without Alexander and Zedarius and some of those guys? There's certainly something to be said for that. I do know that Green Bay is going to try and bring both of those guys back. Whether that happens or not remains to be seen, but I do hope that there is a way. And I can promise you this. If Devondre Campbell is back in Green Bay, I'm buying a 59 jersey the very next day. Love him. Was a great player for Green Bay. But if I can only pick one, I'm picking the cornerback with a slight nod to the positional value portion of things. But I also do hope, like you mentioned, that Green Bay changes their mind a little bit as to how they've approached that linebacker position, which last year they did Christian Kirksey and he wasn't good. And years prior, it was Blake Martinez, a fourth round pick. I'm not saying they got to invest a first round pick because Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray were first round picks and both of those guys have stunk. So that doesn't mean that just because you invest a high pick that that player is going to be good. But I hope they find something to where they're able to kind of mask some of those flaws that they have traditionally had over the last, like you mentioned, decade. Now, How long have we been talking about this middle of the field defense being a problem? That's where, you know, if Green Bay comes into the offseason and say they're able to get 12 and 17 back and they bring back Douglas and Campbell and then draft Daxton Hill just to throw a name out there. And like I mentioned, I haven't done a lot of draft research yet. I had some things come up like you guys probably heard about by this point. So I haven't been able to do that yet, but Daxton and and that group is something that can cover up that middle of the field deficiency. And you have these overhang defenders and just that ability, and they'll still be able to pressure the quarterback and, and all that stuff as well. So I'm taking Douglas, but I was encouraged when I heard that they were trying to get both of those guys back. Well, does that mean they will maybe not, but I'm hoping to see that. Final topic. And like I mentioned, the show is going to be mostly about football, but we're recording this on Tuesday. Um, My dad's funeral is tomorrow. Um, So today, as you guys are listening to this show. So that's why I brought Adam on. Um, His lasting legacy sits with these two people the most. Um, Thank you to friends and and family and, and everybody that's been able to, to reach out, um, tell me some stories Kind of give that lasting impression that he made on you guys but um you know i did 55 minutes last week on it so i wanted to give you a chance to to say something if you're comfortable um
0: and then just kind of close there i mean it's still just the utter shock of it all i mean today earlier this earlier this morning late after or early afternoon um we had a chance to go and, you know, see him before everyone else did, which was really nice. Um, And I think the reality really started to set in right then and there. Like, obviously, you know, last Monday, obviously, you know, the shock and the reality was there. Like I was here when all this stuff happened. I was there at the hospital when, you know, they finally pronounced it. And, You know, all that. So, like, obviously, the shock of it all and the reality was there. But going in today and seeing him is really when it started to set in. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know tomorrow's not going to be any easier. You know, I know it was nice to go in today to really, like, you know, let out all the feelings, all the emotion, all that. But it's not going to be any easier tomorrow. Um, It's not going to be any easier, you know, in... The, you know near future either. It's never going to get easier, but hearing all the things from the friends, family, not even, you know, and just random people that I've never met, you know, like just reaching out, saying how great of a person he was and, you know, it's like hearing it from those people really was a comfort for me because it shows that all the work that we saw didn't go for nothing. You know what I mean? Like um, all the the kids from, you know, the baseball teams and not even kids that played for him either. Like, you know, there were kids that just knew who he was and knew the type of coach that he was. It was like, man, I'm really sorry to hear about your dad. I wish that I had a chance to play for him because I know what he did for these kids here. You know, just all the stuff like that. But it's more than just that because he touched – us at a higher level than everyone else um and you know it's just it's sad i'm gonna miss him and he'll be watching over us um the uh his he'll be watching over his granddaughter who we love so much but
1: yeah there's a lot there um Obviously, like like I said, I kind of bled in front of all you guys last week for an hour, um, and I'm appreciative that you guys let me do that. Um, you know, it would have been very easy. Like I gave you guys the out at the beginning of the show. I told you I wasn't talking about football, and you guys kind of sat and let me do that. You know, and just to kind of tie this back in, since it is a football show, you know, my dad was a was a diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan, um, so I've spent a lot of time these last couple weeks, you know, kind of reminiscing about those Eagles teams. And don't get it twisted. You know, when the season starts, it's still go, pack, go. But I mean, I always had a soft spot for the Eagles. Uh, and that spot became even softer this week. You know, watching Jeremiah Trotter highlights, Brian Dawkins, uh, Brian Westbrook. I saw a play the other day, not that play. I won't watch that one, but Donovan McNabb to Freddie Mitchell on a Monday night against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Donovan McNabb in general, the Philly special, uh, one of the stories I remember, and I'm sure you do too, from when we were kids was that 1999 draft where they took McNabb and dad just screaming at the television. What the hell are you thinking? How are you not taking Ricky Williams, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually, um, Donovan McNabb became my dad's favorite player. You know, uh, we even decided today, that we found one of his old McNabb jerseys that we bought him when we were kids, and that's going to hang on his casket tomorrow. Um, so that's the kind of player that that my dad really liked. Um, the Philly special, Nick Foles, Super Bowl that Super Bowl where they beat the Patriots and beat Brady. Um, all that stuff was fun. All that stuff was great to watch. I spent a lot of time when I was a kid, guys, because the Packers got eliminated earlier almost always than those Eagles teams. Uh, watching those NFC Championship games, and finally, I remember finally when they beat the Atlanta Falcons to go to the Super Bowl, and just hoping that they could beat that Patriots team, and, and they didn't. And kind of the pain that came through that, and then eventually watching, you know, the Vikings and the and the Eagles, and I was definitely rooting for the Eagles that day, especially because they were playing the Vikings. Didn't want to have a chance to see the Vikings play a home Super Bowl, and they thirty eight seven. The Vikings that day, and then they won the Super Bowl you know, two weeks later, and it was a lot of fun um to be able to kind of experience that and watch that through. I, I didn't watch the Super Bowl with him, but just kind of watch that happen through through his eyes and the smile when he came home, and when I gave him the confetti from that Super Bowl that was you know green and black. I was drenched in confetti after that game was over. It was awesome to kind of feel like a part of that could then come back to him. Um, from that super bowl so you know um there's a lot to be said um you know i have the honor of of speaking at his funeral tomorrow today if you guys are listening today and just trying to give the the tribute and the the respect and everything that he deserves And i think he summed it up pretty well there that you know people that we hadn't even known you know my dad wasn't just a person he was a presence And I think that's something that you can say about very few people that you meet in your lifetime, about that being a presence. Um, So, yeah, like you said, I'm going to miss him, but uh, the show does not stop. And kind of like I told you guys last week, very much like when Favre knew his dad passed away, he said he heard Irvin Favre saying to him, get your ass out there and play. Are you kidding me? So this is me getting my ass out there and playing. Uh, in a different facet than what Favre did, obviously, but the way that I know how to best. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Pick 6 Podcast. I will be here with you guys all off-season long. Uh, Next week, we start the gold zone with myself and Jacob Morley. That will be on Wednesday nights, and we'll be able to kind of recap everything for you guys throughout the draft process. The season never stops, as you guys know. So it's just kind of getting into – we'll be here for any Aaron Rodgers news that breaks – free agency, the draft, everything over game on Wisconsin. We've got, you know, a little bit of a lighter calendar in the off season. um, But I want to thank you guys for listening all season. Obviously didn't get the ending that we wanted, Um, you know, in in a perfect world. I was doing this show after a NFC championship game that I was in attendance at that Green Bay had won at Lambeau Field to go to their second Super Bowl with with this regime, um, Aaron Rodgers specifically. But that didn't happen. And hopefully we get a, you know, get a day that someday where the happy ending does come for these Packers. Um, I do know they're going to try and run it back and make another run at it. We'll see if next year's movie ends in a different way than what we're used to seeing. But until then, I will talk to you guys next week. Uh, Thank you for listening. And uh, always for you, Bob.